Trevor, just so you know, I want to give you a lot of confidence. I got a stopwatch right here, so I'll pay close uh, attention to my time. So, uh, no, man, it's awesome to be here with you guys. I, you know, I feel like I'm attending the semi-annual uh, car wash convention a little bit, but uh, I, I, I actually I remember what we're uh, what we're here for. Um, this Southwest Men's Retreat. So the first one I ever went to was in 2002. I surrendered my life to Jesus in 2001. And uh, from 2002 to 2008 or 9, uh, this event uh, impacted me more than probably any other Amen. event of my life. Uh, so it's a blessing to be back here, uh, what's that, 19 years later, uh, to share a little bit of time uh, with you all. So um, yeah, I'm going to talk about this idea. How many of you, by a show of hands, have been through a study on why go to work according to the principles of the Bible? Oh, man, look around. we got a lot of folks who have been through it. So, uh, well, if you are probably a better learner than I am, because uh, I think I've been through it, I don't know, maybe four or five or six times over the years, uh, and uh, I feel like that I have to continue to go back to the biblical principles on why we work. Um, I read this headline the other day that captured my attention. It said, the U.S. is the most overworked, developed nation in the world. It includes hours worked which translates to less vacation, less time away, and more stress. There's this quote in the article that when I read it, I thought, man, isn't that the state of things? It says, for many of us, more work leads to more stress and a lower quality of life. Without time to unwind, take care of your home, spend time with loved ones, enjoy your hobbies, connect with friends, and generally live a more balanced life. See, stress is the number one cause of health problems, mentally and physically. And there are few things that stress us out as consistently as work does, especially when it takes away from the other things that life has to offer. Now, if I wrote that article, I would add this to it. And this stress will pre prevent the follower of Christ from experiencing the abundant life Jesus intended for us. You will never experience the abundant life Jesus intends for you when you're captured by the stress and the worry of the world. The Apostle Paul writes about entanglement. He writes about setting your mind not on the things below, but the things above. And I would contend with you that for guys, work is one of those things that can so powerfully capture our attention and our time and our energy and our hearts that will never experience what Jesus has intended for us. You know, you read those surveys and it talks about how many people aren't engaged in work or how many people don't like their work. And I'm certain in a room this size right now that there are some of you who think to yourself, I hate what I do. Now, I know that's not in the car wash business for sure. Just to be clear, thank you. I love when it's funny without intention. But look, let's face it, let's face it, work is hard. Uh, a lot of times we're doing things we don't like with people we aren't particularly interested in doing it with. And it can be really frustrating when you can be in an organization that you feel like, man, they don't even know who I am. For some of you who might own your own business, <laughs> that might be you. The people who work in your company think you don't know 
who they are. But, man, if you work yourself in that way, it'll always stand between us and Jesus. I read this post on social media the other day. It said, having a job is cool until you have to go to work. And then one, it said, the two worst feelings in the world are not having a job and having a job. That's the cultural perspective of, uh, of work. And so the real question is, man, what is your purpose for work? You know, you've heard the word purpose a couple times in the messages. Kevin talked about it last night. Jerry mentioned it today. I'd suggest to you that's a lot of the what of the Christian life. You know, what, man, what, Lord, help me. Help me figure out that individual purpose for me. But for guys in particular, work, I think, is a little bit of the answer to the where of my purpose. Where does my purpose manifest itself in work? What does that look like? See, the truths we believe about our work and the way that we do our work oftentimes can be so much influenced by culture and not the scripture. I mean, we've talked about what it means to be a man of the word. And I don't know about you guys, but, you know, as you see a slide, this man, I'm going to commit like an hour of study time. It's like, whoa, that's a lot of time. Yet I think nothing about spending an hour doing work. In fact, a lot of times I can do work and, I'm, and like the day blows by and I'm like, man, that day went fast as I worked. But understanding God's purpose and his expectations for our work is so critical. And I think I've, it's easy to get distracted on it. Man, I was one of those same guys. And, and, and if I'm truthful, I, I still am in many ways, who bought into the cultural purpose for work. You know, why you, uh, you know, why you do it. Man, I got into a line of work early on in my career right out of college that was, I mean, it was great. It was challenging. It was engaging. It was fun. I found success in it. I moved up. And I began to see work as a place to provide for myself. You know, I was in sales early in my career. Kevin, you're talking about sales. I mean, sales is like the proverbial, if it's to be, it's up to me. I mean, you know, you go out there and you, work, you, you, you make a sale, you get paid. You don't make a sale, you don't get paid. And so in that, I developed this sense of, man, it is up to me to provide. Let's go. It was also a great place of significance, man. I, man, I, it was fun. You do well, and guess what? People recognized you for it. Good job. Man, what you do, that was impressive. You could be rewarded for achievements. Gets a little admiration from others. And it feels really, really good. You know, later on in life, I had a chance to you know, launch my own business. Man, you want to talk about a place of purpose. I used to think that I was creating this company so that the people who are on my team, man, they could come to work, make a living, and have lives for themselves. What a Man, that's awesome, the focus and the purpose that we had to make a living and create an environment where people can do the same for themselves and get that same recognition. Work for me was a place of prestige. You know, as the years progressed and I was able to move up in companies, it was funny. You know, you get, a, you get like this VP title by your name, and all of a sudden people start to treat you a little different. And then, then, you're, then your title, you get a, you get a SVP in front of your name. And then things really change. And then you get to a point where you get chief. Like you get a chief title? Holy smokes. I could go into events and visit places and be treated in a way that really, really made me feel like I was something. A mentor of mine always said, you know, man's the only person who 
can pat himself on the back and his head gets bigger. That was me. But I can tell you that even in all of those pursuits and those things that happened, there was always in the back, like this little sense of discontent and dissatisfaction. On one hand, I would think, well, man, wasn't that what propelled me forward? But over time, I realized, no, you know what? The truth of that was <clears throat> that that was part of what was missing as I sought to fill my own needs through everything but Jesus Christ. See, each of those things that I got out of work, whether it was this, man, sense of provision or significance or prestige, recognition, you know, those things, they were never enough. And if I think about it, truth, a lot of times it was exhausting. And there's likely a number of you who sit in this room today and you think about your work and you can relate to the idea that, man, sometimes it is exhausting to go do that. You know, I think there's a reason that, you know, when you hear the word work, oftentimes you'll hear the other word grind, you know, it's a grind. Well, how do you view your work? Like, you know, if I had you write down why you go to work, you know, what would be some of those words that you would use to describe? If I asked you the question, hey, how much time should you spend at work versus how much time you should spend in not work or leisure, how would you answer it? How would you answer if somebody said, man, how, hey, how hard should I work? How hard? What is the purpose of work in your life? See, there are some scriptural truths, and for those of you who have experienced a study of why I go to work before, you're familiar with these, but it's so easy to drift. And I want to get a quick refresh on three of them. Number one is this. Work is good. In fact, uh, Jerry, as he was talking about the book of Genesis, it just, you know, no accident that you end up in some of the same books and hearing some of the same verses as you look at the foundations of what God teaches. In Genesis 2.15, you read that then the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. Or my translation is, hey, Adam, go to work. It was before the fall. It was before sin. In fact, I actually personally think the first mention of work in the Bible is in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God did what? God, God created. I, God went to work. And then he instructs Adam. Adam, man, I, I created all this for you. Go take care of it. Go to work. What an expression of God's grace. But then, of course, you, you, know, you know the story of the fall. In the fall... You read that God says, now cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall grow for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. The McAndrews translation says it's going to be a grind. You will grind in your work after the fall, and that's where we are today. But I love how Jerry pointed out that it's an expression of God's grace, and it's part of God's redemptive story. <laughs> Truthfully, fellas, if you are in a line of work today, and you're doing work that you think to yourself, this really sucks, and I don't like it, let me suggest to you that you've lost focus of the purpose of your work. 
you know, what are you working for? You know, Solomon presents this great picture of tension in Ecclesiastes 5.18. He says, here's what I have seen to be good and fitting, to eat and drink and enjoy oneself and all one's labor. That, that sounds fun, doesn't it? Hey, eat and drink and enjoy yourself because your labor. You're great if Solomon stopped right there. But then he goes on to say, in which he toils under the sun during the few years of his life which God has given him. For this is his reward. You know, go, eat, drink, enjoy your labor, but you will toil under the sun. I live in Houston, Texas. Uh, You know, when I get outside and do anything in the sun between like June and September, yeah, I, I, not, there's a few other people, I think, from Houston here. You can relate. I mean, you're doing it under the sun. It's awful. I mean, if you walk to your house, to your car, and start to sweat, I mean, that place has to be as close to what hell's going to feel like as I think is possible. There's that tension in our work that we're, we have to navigate inside of. But remembering that work is good. Work is a gift of God's grace. Is a truth that we really have to embrace and get our heads around. You know, Jesus warns us about our, I think, our, our tendencies. Jesus says in John 6, 27, he says, Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you, for on him the Father God has set his seal. You know, the food which, why did Jesus, why do you think Jesus said that? I mean, other than the fact that he's God and he's brilliant, he knew, he knew what we would wrestle with. Do not work for the food which perishes, money, stuff, achievements, promotions, but for the food which endures. It bears repeating because I think it's a truth that is uh, fundamental as a follower to know, which is only two things last forever. You've heard it multiple times here. The souls of people in God's word. If you're an investing, investment type of person and return is important to you, man, invest in the things that's going to last. People and souls. You know, one of the most common reasons that people say they go to work is to provide for their family. Most common one that I hear. But what if I told you that that's not what the Bible says? In fact, the Bible would tell you one of the biblical principles of why we go to work is you do not work to earn a living. You don't. Now, some of you are hearing that and you're thinking, what? What are you talking about? That can't be true. But then I'd recommend you open to Philippians 4.19. What does it say? Many of you probably know know the verse. My God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. My God will supply all your needs. One thing I always appreciated about that verse, don't love it, appreciate it, is that I will supply all your needs. Because I'm one who would say, oh yeah, but what about this, like Lord, this one right here, I can only get through this fill in the blank. No, 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 no. I will supply all your needs. Everything. Now, don't get me wrong. God will And God does use our jobs to supply our needs. But that's very different than saying, I work to earn a living. And many of you in this room have had this experience before. Has God ever provided for your needs in a way outside of the work that you're doing? Heck yeah, he has. 
I can't tell you how many times over the course of my life that maybe we had some financial thing going on within our family and, you know, the miracle of something shows up and somebody turns up to help us out or to provide a hand when we needed it, had nothing to do with my job. God uses his people, and you read about this as the Apostle Paul writes in, in, uh, in 2 Corinthians, he talks about that God uses his people to care for his people. Over and over and over again, you read that. The reason that it's important to have a principle like this in focus, that I do not work to earn a living, is that it's, that principle is going to be really challenged. It will be challenged in two ways. Number one is when you lose that job, when you lose that thing, your self-doubt, what you believe, who you trust in, will be rocked. It's happened to me. It's probably happened to a lot of people. I remember I was 35 years old the first time I got asked to uh, be a, no longer an employee but a customer of the company, as we used to say. Thanks for being here, but no thanks. We don't need you anymore. I was 35. My son was a year and a half old. And I thought, holy smokes, what am I going to do now? And I became so wrapped up in the next steps in my career and where I was going to go <clears throat> that the idea of giving my life to others and serving people, that was like, yeah, maybe when I get a job. There's no, it, it's very difficult to serve people and love people the way that God calls us to when something like our work goes away. But the other side of it also is true. You know, you find a lot of success in work. You start to think really highly of yourself. Your ability to love and serve people can be dramatically impacted. I remember when I had a particular season of good success at work. Things were going great. And then I came home from one of these retreats. And, uh, and I, man, I was working, 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 working. And, uh, and I had an opportunity from the retreat where a guy said, hey, I'd like to do a Bible study with you. Uh, so maybe we get together and do that. And I, and I lived in Glendale at the time. This person lived in Apache Junction. Okay, so if you know the area very well, you know, like, that, that's kind of a hall. And I thought to my, man, I can't have a Bible study with a guy who lives in Apache Junction. This is before we were doing stuff on conference calls and video calls and all that. I'm thinking, man, I got to go to a coffee shop at Apache Junction? No way. And then I remember a great Christian brother of mine asked me. He said, hey, Craig, let me ask you this question. How far would you drive to close a new deal? How far would you go to get a new customer? And I thought it was a dumb question. I was like, as far as it takes. And I instantly, I was stabbed in my heart for how I had lost the purpose of my work and the focus. Because, you know, you step back and you think about, man, guess what? Guess what my response should have been on the drive to Apache Junction for the Bible study? Heck yeah, I'll drive as far as you want to open the word of God with somebody. It was a powerful conviction for me in the moment. If you don't get this principle right about working to earn a living, you will always, we will always be tempted to use and manipulate people. And I'm not talking about like the over-the-top, really like manipulate people. I'm talking about the subtle things that can creep into our lives. That, you know what, I'll put time into a relationship with this guy because I might get a good business opportunity out of it. But I don't know that I'm going to put much time and energy into the relationship with these guys because, I, I mean, we're not going to have any. I mean, what's the business opportunity going to be there? How will it help me? 
That's what the manipulation looks like. Matthew 6, 19, it tells us, man, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy. Man, store up for yourself treasures in heaven. Work is a place where that can get so powerfully misused. You know, one of the other great principles I think that the world loves for us to buy into on work is that uh, significance comes from it. And right now, as we live, man, people are in this massive state of confusion, I think, when it comes to the value associated with what we do and how we do it. Like, work in the home has been so downgraded over the years and is so rapidly being abandoned. I mean, you got more couples where every, both, both people are working and leaving kids to be cared for by others. Now, now, don't get me wrong. This is not an indictment against who goes to work. I think that is a decision that individuals in a family have to make. But it is often made based on the fact that, you know what, it's more valuable to contribute out in the marketplace and leverage your career and be this and be that. The significance comes from there and not in being at home, investing in your kids, taking care of a home. And again, that is not a gender thing. In my opinion, it is a product of overvaluing the marketplace. And man, it is so easy to do. The title, the company, the education. People esteem it out there. You know, you read in the book of Jeremiah, let not the wise man boast of his wisdom, the mighty man boast of his might, or the rich man boast of his riches. Power, might, riches, things that people talk about. The Bible teaches us that we are significant for, based on one thing and one thing only. We've been created in the image of God and we are Christ. We are significant because Christ claims us to be significant. It's not from what we do. It's not from our title. It has nothing to do with our work. And the reason that it matters is because when we attach significance to anything other than Jesus and we pursue that, we're going to end up in one or two places. We're going to either feel way better about ourselves than we should or way worse about ourselves than we should. We end up in both of those two places. And in those two places, I'll go back to that we will miss out on the abundant life Jesus has to offer. You know, I think when the Bible talks about that it is harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven, <clears throat> You know who he's talking about and who he's talking to. I think he's talking to and about many of us. And it's hard when people don't see the need for a savior. Work can capture us so powerfully and make us think that we are more than we really are or less than Christ proclaims us to be. Anchoring in a principle like my significance does not come from what I do is something that, you know, to borrow a line from Jesus himself, he says, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It will set you free. How might your life be different right now if you viewed your work through the principles of the Scripture? Imagine if you were working with a really clear godly purpose, God's purpose. 
How do you think it would impact what you do day to day? How do you think it would impact the people around you? You know, I remember the time at a retreat when I realized, wait a second, we're all in the ministry? Now, for some of you, you're kind of like, well, yeah, Craig, you, we've known this forever. There was a point in our time for most of us that that was a revealed truth. We're finally like, oh my gosh, I am in the ministry. The work that I do is no more of greater value or of less value than the senior pastor himself when it comes to proclaiming Jesus Christ. The only difference is who pays our paycheck. See, work, when done the way God intends it to do, is filled with massive, massive purpose and opportunity. Your work is your congregation. The people in your work are your congregation. Your work is your pulpit. It's an opportunity to share, both share Jesus Christ and who he is, and reflect him in how we work. That's it. But the world won't advocate or support that. The world's going to make it about something different. And if we're not anchored in those key principles, and I only shared with you a few of them today. There's multiple in the Why Go to Work study. I'd encourage you to uh, step into that. Because if you haven't spent a lot of time examining God's purpose for your work, you're going to work the way the world says to work. You'll work for what the world says to work for. And I can think of nothing, very few things more maybe depressing or empty than having spent my time, my money, my energy, and my life investing in something that does not matter. And racking up achievements for things that will not matter. I think when Jesus talked about this idea of, you know, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works. You know, that would be, like if, like if that was theology of the world, they would stop there, right? Man, go out there and do a great job. Let people see you and let them think, man, look at your good works. But Jesus didn't stop there. He said, let them see your good works so that they may glorify your Father who is in heaven. Men, we have to put the spotlight on Jesus Christ all day long in all that we do. The world of work wants the spotlight on us, on you, on me. We've got to avoid it. Anchoring in the principles of why we go to work will take us to a a purpose and a life that will profoundly be experienced in a way that Jesus said, you know, I came that they may have life and they may have it uh, abundantly. Let me pray for us. Father, uh, when I think about the amount of time, Lord, that, that I know that I have put into my work over the years and how I have... Uh, I have looked to it for so many things that I really needed to be looking to you for. Lord Jesus, please forgive me. Please. I don't want that. And Father, I pray today as we talk about just this idea of work, where I know so many of us spend so much of our time, Lord, 
Um, Father, I would pray that you might just speak to each man, man deep in his soul and his heart, Father. Just uh, let your word do its work. I pray that you would prompt us to, uh, to look at this thing of work differently. And Lord, just, uh, man, motivate us where we need to be pressed to step into digging into this a little bit more so that we might be changed and we might do the work that you have given us to do according to your way, Lord. We love you, and we just lift this up in the holy and precious name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.